Hello and welcome to the sports page out loud. I am Paige Zamora, the sports page, and joining me today is Jaden Johnson. Thanks for being here again, Jaden, as always. <laughs> we have a great show planned for you today. Some uh, great stuff from Coach Wells and some of the players of USU football team. And we're going to talk a lot of USU football today because, honestly, who isn't? Who isn't talking about this Utah State football team right now? It's a fun team to talk about. Yeah, and it's say. how fun is it to have a fun team to talk about at your school, right? Um, we've talked a lot about how this season has been so different from the past couple of years. And, I mean, you and I both, you longer than I have, but you and I both have um, – shared some anguish over the past couple of years over this football team. So now having this team that's just a blast to talk about, to watch, to be a fan of, um, it feels like a little bit like Christmas every weekend, right? Every time we get to watch this team play. It's oh, yeah. so well, fun. I, mean, yeah, every, I think every Utah State fan that's been a fan for longer than just this year, I mean, even going back to just two years ago, every Aggie fan has kind of been through some of the uh, the fire and the flames mm-hmm. of Aggie football. Totally. Uh, but especially those who have been around, you know, since, you know, back in the in the 2000s and well, well before then. I mean, there was 30, 40 years of awful football. So mm-hmm. it's uh, it's a nice change. And I mean, we're lucky to be in school. Well, that's well, that's the case. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, sometimes when I'm feeling really good about myself, I like to say that it's because I'm in school. But um, hey, well, I mean, my my freshman year and now my senior year. Yes, I was a freshman clear back in 2012. Don't laugh at me. <laughs> Uh, we're two of the greatest years of Utah State football history, so. Well. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm going to have to graduate, and then. We'll see what I, happens then. <laughs> I apologize. Maybe we'll wait for some posterity to come through. <laughs> so, um, we're, we're going to hear a little bit uh, later about that actual same trend um, that Jaden just mentioned from Coach Wells himself, um, and then, but I wanted to ask you first, Jaden, you were in Wyoming for this game. Um, <laughs> yeah. First of all, I want to ask you about Laramie. And then I also want to hear about that stadium because from what I've seen, it looks a little bit like the high school stadium that I attended. It's a um, gorgeous stadium. But I I've also it. heard the sound from there, from different videos and things like that, and I can't believe how loud it is. Well, it might look in some respects like a high school stadium, but it's actually larger than, than Maverick Stadium. It holds 30,000 people. Um, so it's so an extra 5,000 on top of what, what Utah State can hold. That's incredible. Um, of course, it wasn't full. I mean, Wyoming, obviously, they're struggling a little bit this season. But, man, I as much of a hard time as Laramie, Wyoming takes, and I get it. You know, it's not a desirable place to, to live. It's not anywhere that people are trying to move after they graduate from uh, from college. I had an excellent time. It was a very, very good place to go watch a game. I mean, people were nothing but kind. Even though we did get booed when we got off the bus, that was fun. We pulled a pull up in a, in a bus with all the cheerleaders and the USUSA and everybody get off the bus and everyone was booing us at the tailgate. It was awesome. Yeah, uh, I mean, that a, sounds a, like but it's in a more friendly, fun, right? Yeah, in a friendly, you know, not we hate you, we want to kill you, but in a we're going to beat you on the football field kind of a way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, I mean, even the night before, you know, walking around in Aggie gear, going to a couple different restaurants and stuff, everyone just super nice everyone just wants to talk about football and and uh they always say friends today enemies tomorrow i love it, that. it was a good time i i would highly recommend going to a game in laramie especially if you luck out like we did and catch uh apparently the only 60 degree october day in the history of laramie wyoming wow no that's not actually true but good it, it felt like you. <laughs> it, we had really good weather it was it was phenomenal i loved it Really Love nice that. stadium. Kind of a weird game, but we'll talk about that. But mm-hmm. uh, a good game experience. Great football environment. I love that. I love that part of fall. Um, speaking of the weather, I'm not a fan of any cooling down or oh, any no. chilly weather. No, not at all. But, um, I mean, the week before when we were here, UNLV was here, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, that was started out really warm, and then we had a hailstorm. And rainstorm <laughs> in the middle of the game. so And then got back to blue skies. And, yeah, uh, by the end of the figure. game, right? That was crazy. I'm really liking these midday games. Um, I don't know why I decided to talk logistics right now, but no, well, why been, not? We've been lucky, though, with, um, with I mean, weather and, and timing and everything. I mean, mm-hmm. this Saturday, it's a game right before Halloween. I remember trick-or-treating as a kid in Logan in the snow. Uh, but we're going to get a game, you know, a couple days before Halloween that's supposed to be, as it's I look at it right now, 66 degrees. Yeah. Come on. Uh-huh. In the middle of the day, that's gorgeous. You couldn't ask for better football, either. And, 
I mean, this is really silly. I get it. But as a mom with an eight-month-old <laughs> baby, two o'clock games are oh. so much easier I think almost, than later yeah. ones. So I mean, I'm really excited students, about it. I think it. everybody can relate. They have, mm-hmm. Everybody wants those afternoon games. Yeah. And the fact that you can, like, afterwards celebrate the win and not feel yeah. like you're going, like, clear into the next morning. Exactly. Maybe I'm just getting old. I don't know. <laughs> but it's fun. I love it. I'm... I'm loving that I feel awake and in the middle of my day on my game when the Aggies are on their game. It's great. Um, We're going to have New Mexico coming in this weekend. It's probably a lot colder for them, but we're still excited to have this game here. It's really fun when we have this team that has a history of, you know, good wins and good playing at Mm -hmm. home, Um, but especially this season, it's just, wow. There's few words and Jaden you know that I am not a woman of few words (laughs) but um, there are very few words that I can use to describe this one fun thing that I love about this game is there is a set of identical twin brothers and one of them is a linebacker here at Utah State and one is at New Mexico and um, I get a chance to talk to them after the game tomorrow so I'll of course have that for you there it's the Tama Vena brothers Uh uh-huh to my vena. I'm sorry if I said that wrong. Please. To, to, to my to my vena. Uh-huh. I believe is, yeah. is what I've always heard. That sounds a lot better than the way I said it. Well, um, yeah, it's Suli and his twin brother, um, City. Suli and City. Uh-huh. To my vena. To, so to my vena. That'll be really fun <laughs> to um, see them play against each other. Talk to them about what that's like. Um, well, they I both played in different junior colleges too, so it's not like they've always been on the same sure. team. But maybe this is one of the times they've faced each other in a Division well, One. aspect. And Coach so. Wells said that they're very, very similar. Not only, I mean, they're identical twins, but they both play the same position. Mm-hmm. They're both linebackers love to rush to the quarterback. I mean, mm-hmm. he, said, he said you could see a lot of similarities in their game. I just would love the day when they decide to um, put on each other's gear and go check <laughs> their coaches and their teams and each other. Um, probably not going to happen, Made but wouldn't that make for a really great story? <laughs> Um, coming to join us in a little in a few minutes, uh, Jeff Browning Supposedly. of the Front Row <laughs> Show. He's going to join us here in studio. We're excited to have him with us. He's got a lot of great things to say. He's a really fun guy. But we want to hear from you, too. If you ever want to join in on the show or if you want to just send in your um, voice, call in, text in, whatever you want, um, you can at 43579-RADIO. Um, we'll see your messages here in the studio. Um, one more thing I wanted to talk about. You can see on Twitter, I tweeted out my top five p- favorite plays from this game against Wyoming. There was some, you know, it wasn't incredibly beautiful football. <laughs> we're just going to say that. But there were some gnarly plays. and There were a few. They made for quite the highlight reel. Um, so I was able to put that together. You can see that on sports page 94 on Twitter. Look that up and um, let me know what you think, how you would have ranked them, if you would have ranked them differently. Um, my number one, of course, is um, the almost pick six from John Troll Rockmore that, oh, it was just beautiful. I'm, I, on your behalf, listeners, I'm excited for you to see the replay that I have posted on Twitter because it's a beautiful thing. It's like sharing my favorite dessert with you. It's just sweet, sweet, sweet. Well, after so after the game... We went to the press conference, and uh, my my buddy Daniel Hansen, who writes for the Statesman with me as well, he uh, asked Coach Wells. He said something along the lines of, "You know, it was it was an ugly win, but it was a win." And uh, Coach Wells kind of called him out and said, "said Hey, that was not an ugly win." He said, "That was a beautiful win." And uh, I, I, I'm sorry that you offensive-minded reporters can't see that, which uh, you know. I understand where he's coming from for a coach, especially uh, uh, on the road. A big, uh, a big road victory like mm-hmm. that is going to be a beautiful win. But let's be honest: to anybody watching that game, it's a was little, a beautiful. little bit ugly. Uh huh. A win's from a win. A, from Don't a coaching perspective, I can see why he sees it so beautiful, um, because of the adversity, right, that they faced and overcame. Sure. And you know how I am about that. I'll get all touchy feely if we want to, but um. Yeah, definitely not the prettiest game you've seen. Although I did love listening to Coach Wells call him out just because Coach Wells will do that. He's one of the oh, few coaches great. that you can actually 
see emotion in him when he talks to us as reporters, and well, it, I really appreciate that. And then, him. and then, as he was talking about how poorly the offense played in certain aspects, uh, uh, another reporter was nodding his head the whole time. Uh huh. Yeah. He, he says, "He says, hey, quit nodding your head so much." <laughs> <laughs> and then someone reminded him of something else, and he was like, "You didn't have to remind me of that. I know how he's, bad it was before." Great. So, Coach Wells, we love you. Um. Uh, when, since you're listening, I know you are. Of course you. Um, joining what us else, now. What else would uh, Division One coach with a six and one team be doing on a on a Friday, Friday afternoon morning? morning right? Uh, <laughs> nothing else I could imagine. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, he is a fan <laughs> of me. Just kidding. So Jeff Browning joins us now, live in the studio. Thank you for being here. Hi everyone. What's up, Jeff? Glad we? we finally got here. You guys probably heard the <laughs> chairs squeaking and my whispering and while Jaden was talking Right into there. the microphone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Logan has a traffic problem, apparently. Otherwise, I would have been here on time. Yeah. But here we are. Logan does have a traffic problem. That's another topic for another what day, probably. But, <laughs> I mean, I guess we're growing because we have, now we have a 6-1 football team, too. So It's true. What's going down? What are we discussing? So today we want to ask you a little bit about yourself first Ooh, and me. your favorite sports and teams. That's all we've talked about so far is just you. Yeah, we've just been talking about you. <laughs> um, I like bragging. So, so I'm, I'm good. I want to know. That. I know. I mean, you and I have been friends for a few years now, but I want to know for our listeners – what are your teams? What are your sports? Where are you from? What are you doing? Well, I am from here, just north in Smithfield. However, if anyone follows me on Twitter or follows the Front Row Show account, you know I'm about all things Ohio. I'm a son of northern Ohio. My family's all there, so... Don't talk about Purdue around him. I hate Purdue. <laughs> the program burns to the ground. No, no, in all seriousness, no. Ohio State Buckeyes has been a family team for years, so I will always support them vehemently, even when people get down on them because they're a big program. Screw Purdue. Uh, Cleveland Indians, my favorite baseball team. It's been that way forever. Cleveland Browns, God help me. Uh, just, it's hard to be a Browns fan, but we're doing better. Baker is our Lord and Savior, so that, that's a great thing. Not a Cavs fan, though, oddly enough. I grew up in Utah, so I've kind of been a a jazz fan basketball-wise, but those are kind of my teams. I can take that. That's who I roll for, with one exception, Utah State being the almighty team that my loyalties always go go to. So in 2001, when Utah State faced Ohio State in the NCAA tournament, I was all about Utah State. So don't anyone confuse my loyalties there. (laughs) I'm all about Utah State when it comes to these things. Thank you for clearing that up. I'm glad you did. Um, I want to know, so you're in Smithfield, you said, and you grew up in Utah, and you're studying here. I mean, the three of us are actually in a media law class together, so that's cute. Um, (laughs) And you're the host of the Front Row Show. Correct. Um, Tell us where we can find that on Twitter. And what's what's new with Front Row Show? Oh, man, we, uh, this is our seventh season. We started back in 2012, and a little background on the podcast for the, for the listeners who don't know, I needed something Aggies to listen to. You know, this is a time when podcasts were starting to really become a thing, and there was nothing out there. I mean, there was nothing out there for people. And so I got the idea along with a friend who I worked with over in athletics at the time, actually, uh, named Josh McDonald, and we started talking about maybe we should do a podcast. How do you do a podcast? I have no idea how to do a podcast. So this went back and forth. Eventually, we hooked up with Matt Sonnenberg, who was the famed leader of Section F during that great run of Aggie teams in you know 2008 to 2010. Very knowledgeable. He worked here at the Statesman as well and was just, we had to have him. We had to have star power. So we, we got Matt and the three of us got together and we sat in, we actually sat in the library in I think room 314 with his little microphone in front of us and we recorded a, a podcast and we got like, three listeners and it was the best thing ever like we were stoked we got three listeners because no one even knew we existed but somehow three people found us so it's probably my family <laughs> your mom and, you know. anyway and then we shout uh, out to mom who i know shout, is right now. Shout, shout out to mom and uh and then we actually got a text or an email from a guy by the name of trevor weller who is a professional sound engineer who was also just an avid aggie fan and uh he offered to kind of help do the sound work for us and so the four of us kind of became a team uh, in 2012, and we've been going ever since then. Seven. This is now our seventh season, um, and we are now past. We were past the 10 million download mark uh, since 2012 that we've been going, and it, it's been a lot of fun. We've seen a lot of crazy things, 
discussed a lot of crazy things. Uh, everyone's kind of moved away, you know, so time and everything kind of makes it hard to record as often as we want to. We're planning on recording hopefully sometime in the next week. Talk about, obviously, the Wyoming game, the New Mexico game coming up, where Utah State kind of stands, etc. Uh, but we're we're live and kicking. We can, you can find us at USU Front Row on Twitter, and then we have iTunes, obviously, is, is the main place you can find us on for podcasts, as well as Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and SoundCloud. Cool. Well, we're really excited to have you. Thank you Thank for you. being here. Um, let's dig in. I mean, Jaden and I talked a little bit about it before you got here. We want to talk USU football. Um I'm a, obviously, we were talking about how exciting it is to be a fan this year as opposed to the past few years before this. Um, Jaden's lucky enough that his freshman year <laughs> was 2012, so he's seen, you You picked know, a good time. Uh, well, I was, I was saying, yeah, my freshman year was 2012, my senior year is now, and I mean, it just kind of lined up well. <laughs> Gosh, that 2012 I guess it pays off to take a long time to go through school. <laughs> it's okay. Oh, definitely. I mean, it's not as that long. As you long. Six years like an yeah. average. You're good. You're good. Well, and I know that I know that Jeff, you and I have, have talked a little bit about kind of comparisons and, and likenesses between the 2012 team and, and this team, and you know they're both great in their own ways, but there's a lot of similarities, and, and I think that this, I mean, if Aggie fans don't realize what they have right now, they're they're really missing out on a historic Aggie team. There are a lot of similarities, and I, I think one pe- one thing people need to understand is that the 2012 team was really made by 2010-2011 seasons. Right. Because those seasons, the team struggled mightily. I mean, 2010 was, eh, we had a win against a, a terrible BYU team. Right. But we really didn't accomplish anything. 2011 almost had the upset at Auburn. at Auburn. But then everyone forgets that that team struggled. Right. Badly. They were coming off a national championship yeah. without Cam Newton and everybody. Yeah, they, they really struggled that year. But that, here's the thing. That team had to run the table in the whack, basically. They had to win five games in a row, or they wouldn't even make a bowl game. That's the 2011 team. Oh. And they did it. And it was, spe- it was spectacular. But what they learned from that really is, is similar to what I see in this 2018 team, where you look at last year, you know, or the year before, where mm-hmm. they lose a lot of close games, and they just... Didn't quite know how to finish. And then last year, a little bit better. And now what we're seeing this year, and what we saw in the Wyoming game, the ability and the knowledge on how to finish a game off. And that is what is leading to this wildly successful season that we're having right now. I think during those, it's kind of like a life lesson, right? During those like rough seasons, those rough times, people are really quick to be like, ah, everything's wrong, we're never going to have anything better, you know? But what they don't get a lot of the time, especially as being sports fans where you kind of live season to season, um, is those are, like you were saying, those are the seasons that make these teams, like this 2018 team that we're seeing now, that honestly, like, could we... I don't know. I think there's a lot that we could compare it to. There's a lot that we could see. But right now, this team is playing with maturity, which has to come from something, right? And I believe it's the years before. Um, And they're able to play through adversity, which is something that was completely lacking in the teams before. But maybe it's because of all that adversity they saw that now they're, like, playing with more poise in the midst of it. Look, I I know Aggie fans have this perpetual fear because it's kind of bred into us because we've been a bad program for for 40 years. I saw a statistic tweeted out that of like the 100 years that Utah State has played football, we've only been in the top 25 eight weeks right. out of those 100 years. And, well, yeah, and, they, and they've been keeping the top 25 since like the 1930s. Yeah, so, so like yeah. we have not been a good program. So it's kind of bred into us to kind of expect the worst. And so I know people are worried that Wyoming somehow cracked a code against our offense, then now other teams are going to duplicate. First off, Wyoming, top 25 defense. Okay, Very good defense. Very, very good defense. We're playing at their home, their homecoming, all these factors. They're going to play well. The offense had a bad day. Okay. Oh, and, and so, so these things happen. I don't think that Wyoming cracked a code necessarily. Yeah. We just saw a different team. We just saw a different team. And, and I'd add to that, not only are they a good defense, but some of their numbers may be skewed a little bit in, in the wrong direction because they've played so many good offenses. They've played, yeah. they've played. you look at it, they've played Washington State. We all know how good that offense is. Blitzed they've played, Oregon. They've played Missouri, who has a Heisman candidate quarterback, or at least one who was, who was viewed as that at the beginning of the season. Uh, they've played Hawaii, and, I mean, that's a very good, high-powered offense. They've had some Boise State. I mean, Fresno State. 
they had a tough schedule, some really good offenses, and Utah State came in and they said, "Hey, we, you know, we've we've seen you guys before. Maybe not the, the exact same team, but they've seen a lot of similar teams to Utah State, and that's why they didn't have an issue shutting it down." Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean, don't don't freak out because the offense had one bad day. Now, and even then, that, like subpar. Yeah, right? so, yeah. So, subpar. I mean, the running the game, run game I, was still great. Was was fine. It's exactly what we needed because our passing game was not working. If it's a case where two to three games, if New Mexico shuts down the offense and then Hawaii gives us fits, okay. Okay, then we, we start to worry about things. But for right now, I just look at it as a, as a blip. And I think Utah State going against New Mexico, they're going to be fine. Mm-hmm. This is not an elite defense we're talking about tomorrow, okay? We're going to be okay. I think so, too. And I think it's important to notice certain trends, right? Like, like I said, we live season to season and then during the season, game to game. So it's really hard to not um, get caught up in specific, you know, minutes or moments or plays. But um, the trends are more important, like you're saying, um, like you both just explained that um, Wyoming faced a tougher schedule, right? No wonder their defense wasn't one that we were, was all on all of our radars before that. I know it was for Utah State. Great, Mm -hmm. great teams find a way to win when they're having a bad game, okay? Ohio State played Purdue on Saturday, not a great team, because they couldn't figure out how to get it done. What a relevant analogy. (laughs) I I will be critical of my Buckeyes, like, (laughs) that was a a garbage game, and you could just see Mm -hmm. the maturity of that Ohio State team, not to go off on Ohio State. But Purdue punches them in the mouth. They had no comeback. I mean, they were yeah. toast. They were toast in the first quarter. Mm-hmm. This Utah State team, again, having an off day, passing game isn't working. Okay, Darwin Thompson, go get us a touchdown. Yeah. Save on Scarver, get us a kickoff return. And you know what? That was enough. Well, I'm good. It, I'm good with this. And it can be hard to strike a balance between I'm disappointed that they didn't play as well as they could, but I'm excited that even though they played that poorly, they still won the game. Yeah, I want to talk about that. But then you look that, at right? you look at the full sample size of, of now seven games, and you know you've got six pretty dang good games and one that was maybe not as good. And I think that that kind of you know that should be where you set your expectation. Yeah, and I I just want to point out how interesting it is that of course when we talk about records, it's black and white, right? Because it's a win or a loss. Sure. But that one loss on our record really was a good game for Utah State, you know? And, um, I mean, maybe I'm being too much of a fangirl about this, but I think when you take that into account, that not only are we 6-1, and one, so we have that record, but the one was a really, really awesome game, even though it didn't end up in a win for us. So um, it's funny because in my mind, this Wyoming game, is more like the one yeah. or the outlier yeah. for me, you know? I, I've talked about this, and Jaden, we talked about this just mm. the other day, that Utah State is in a different, almost a different world, a different sphere than, say, Michigan State mm-hmm. is. So to me, I, I, I know we want to win one of these games one of these years, and we will at some point. It should have been this mm-hmm. year. And now you fans will complain. And, and we'll complain about it, but if you look at the season as a whole, and this is going to sound weird to people because we do have a one loss, realistically we're undefeated with dealing with teams within our mm. sphere. Realm. There's uh-huh. a whole different world out there of Power 5 football, and we went into it and we competed well. But where we're competing on a regular basis, we're undefeated. Okay? <laughs> so <laughs> When playing any team within $100 million of Utah State's right? budget. We're good. We're undefeated <laughs> right now, okay? <laughs> So, I mean, you could look at it that way if you want to spin it in, in a positive way. Mm-hmm. Or but even, you know, closer geographically, look, I guess, right? What, what the Wyoming game was oh, about. Yeah, never mind. It, it wasn't about Wyoming. It's about Boise and Fresno in December, okay? Yep. Because if you can go into Laramie, you can have an off day and still find a way to win. That's going to bode well when we're going to Boise in late November. On the Smurf turf. On the Smurf Ew. turf. Uh, again. <laughs> okay. My... my <laughs> My mom's family from, is from Boise, so I, I have to defend Boise yeah, well, just Boise's a little fine, bit. Boise is fine, but you can't defend that turf. No, uh-uh. Not allowed. This is my <laughs> show. I'm just kidding. Fine, fine, fine. But <laughs> games like Wyoming prep you for those games against Boise in late November. For sure. If we're playing Fresno State, which, would, which is what it looks like, if we're playing Fresno in the conference championship game, this is the type of game that gives you confidence going into those games. So to me, this game was, yes, it's a win, but it's it's much more in the broader picture of what it did for this Aggie team, mm-hmm. and and that is why we should be 
happy and take some confidence going forward with this type of victory? I think so too. I think um, trends and things like this are the what football fans should be looking for that should really get them excited. Of course, we're all going to get excited about awesome plays and things like that, and we're all going to get a little bit nervous when we see games like this, you know. But um, when you look at the bigger picture, like I, you said. I, I'm not nervous. We have great. Tipa and David Woodward on defense. I'm good. Oh, right, <laughs> Tipa. I feel like Tipa is, like, the equivalent of a dad, like, checking on the monsters for a little girl at night, like, on like checking in her closet for monsters, because I just, like, feel very secure knowing I, he's on the field. I, I had someone within the athletics department just yesterday that was uh, saying how much they, they they were saying, oh, you know, I appreciate you always tweeting out game updates and everything, especially on the road, because, I you know, I can't always be there and can't always watch. And then they, they mentioned, uh, and I especially enjoy your man crush on Tipa. <laughs> <laughs> And he's, I couldn't even deny it. You know? Oh, I'm past the crush. Just yeah. like a full-on affair. Yeah. <laughs> like, admittedly, it's a full-on affair with Tifa. He's just—he <laughs> is such a spectacular player, and he's a rare type of player here at Utah State. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He really is. Absolutely. We lucked out I, in getting him for he, sure. Yeah, I—I I mean, you want to look at parallels between 2012 and 20 and 2018, and that linebacking core. Maybe not as good. I know. I know that that yeah. linebacking core yeah. had had four NFL players. <laughs> yeah. This one's got. Two, possibly three, though. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's no question in my mind Tifa's going to be not only an NFL player, but a pretty high pick. David Woodward. And, uh, yeah. you know, don't don't be surprised if Chase Christiansen or, or Suli end up on the, on an NFL roster as well. And, and don't forget that players like Jamarcus Ingram, he's just a sophomore. Yeah. Okay, he's still exactly. got two years exactly. to develop. David Woodward, and, sophomore. Yeah. yeah. Jordan Love, sophomore. <laughs> I love yeah, Jordan. You want me to keep going? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, speaking of Jordan Love, this is just a, a random thing. I don't know if you saw this, but in the UNLV game, they had the 2013 team back. Mm-hmm. That 2013 mm-hmm. that was quarterbacked by Chucky Keaton, the legendary Chucky Keaton. Several of the receiving corps publicly stated on Twitter <laughs> that Jordan Love was better than Chucky Keaton. To be fair, I don't know how much stock I'd put into anything that Alex Wheat says because he didn't I catch much from Chucky Keaton anyway. Shout out to Wheat. I love Alex Wheat. <laughs> well, well, He's one, one of the Aggie heroes career. on Twitter. <laughs> but, love Wheat. But, but I, I see what you're saying. And mm-hmm. It's yeah, it's interesting to think about. I've heard alumni, people who have been fans for a really long time, Chucky Keaton is the first person that comes to mind when they think of Jordan Love. And that's been really exciting for me. Jaden, you're very aware of how much I love Jordan Love. And Which is so interesting to me because they're not the same quarterbacks no, at all. Really not. They're completely different in their styles, in the way they played the position. I mean, Chucky was the quintessential dual threat oh, quarterback. Yeah. Yeah. Could beat you with his arm, but was even more deadly with his legs, as many, many defenses found out. Jordan Love, not really a runner in mm. in that fact that I think the coaches have told him, don't you dare get injured. I, okay? I know for a fact that's the case because don't talking to him before the season... He said he models his game after Cam Newton. Cam Newton's the ultimate running quarterback, yeah. and, and, that, and that you know that's what he's tried to build. And you look at last year; he ran a lot. This year, yeah. not so much. But. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. I, I think just in the sense that they're both you know young leaders that have taken over a team. Yeah, and really have done a good job in leading in more of a kind of an attitude way. I mean, it's really fun to interview Jordan Love, and regardless of the incredible game that he has before that. He's always just got his head down, you know, like, well, that's just kind of what I do. You know, he never, he's very unassuming. It's been really fun to talk to him about that. Um, it's it's also fun for me, and I don't know, maybe this is the mom in me. Tell me if it is. I mean, if it is, then I'm fine with that. But I'm excited to see him grow even more and to see, like, what else is going to come. It's kind of like I feel like um, how I do with my daughter when I'm just like, oh, she's learning so much. This is so exciting. He's like a year younger than you, Paige. (laughs) (laughs) I know, I know, I know. So I know that it's not like, but anyways, I just get really excited for what's to come for him too. Um, And what's to come for Utah State football because we have him. First off, that is a mom comment. Okay. (laughs) First of all, that is such a mom comment. Then I'm very happy. (laughs) But also, I think you're right in that this is not peak Jordan love, okay? I mean, he still has room to grow. And and that, more than anything else, gets me excited for Utah State football for the next couple years. Then I can call that a dad comment, right? Sure. (laughs) I have kids, okay? So I understand. But it is such a mom comment. It's such a dad comment. But Mm -hmm. the reality is that Utah State is in good hands at the quarterback position for at least next year, probably two years. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, he's it's, a spectacular quarterback. He just really is. I really enjoy watching him. We're going to go to a break for just a little bit. Um, and when we come back, we're going to hear from some of the athletes and from some of the um, post-game things that we talked about so that you can know what they're saying about these very things because um, I know how much our words matter to you, but even more so. Um, their words are going to be anything without you guys. This is Aggie Radio, 92.3 FM, KBLULP, Logan, Utah. Welcome back. This is the Sports Page Out Loud. Thank you for tuning in. We're going to talk some Aggie football with you right now like we've been doing. Um, we have some top plays from the game that we just have to talk about. It's funny talking about top plays on radio because we kind of just got to describe them to you. Um, but you probably are all watching. If you haven't seen them, that you can find them on my Twitter at SportsPage94. Um, I tweeted them out, my top five favorite. We're going to talk about two of them. Um, First of all, John Trell Rockamore with that pick almost six. Um, beautiful. I watched it in slow motion like five times, guys. I just think it was such a beautifully engineered play. Well, um, wasn't the way that it was intended to go down. The pick was it? No. If you Tell ask me Coach more about Wells, it. If you ask Coach Wells, John Trell was in a he was in the wrong spot. Whoops. <laughs> so <laughs> we actually have a little bit of John Trell and then Chase talking yeah. about that, which I think is so funny to hear. Um, Chase talk about what it was like to look and be like, oh, why is my teammate in no man's land? It worked you know? out well for the Aggies. But mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> but if it hadn't, it, it would have been disastrous. Up, yeah. mm-hmm. You're right. I guess it wasn't well engineered. It was just <laughs> well chosen in the moment because that seems like what it was. You're right. Coach Wells described it as, uh, he said you could hear Coach Patterson, the, uh, the defensive coordinator on the headset, screaming, no! 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 <laughs> Score! <laughs> Having been on the sidelines for four years, 
I guarantee you that's not exactly just, what he was saying. No. <laughs> it was not just no, okay? Well, that was, that so, was the press conference version. Uh, yeah, and the FCC appropriate version, yeah. so thank you. Um, let's play it. John Charles talk about it, though. I want to hear, um, or I want you to hear what he had to say about it. It's nice when you can hear, and I mean this, like you can hear his smile as he talks about it. So if you'll bring that up. This is John Charles Rockamore talking about his interception. Oh, man, like, I've I just seen him. We've been working on boot all week, and I've just seen him roll out. He pulls it, and I'm like, okay, this is perfect. I just don't think he'll – hopefully he throws it enough so I can jump and grab it. But, yeah, he threw it kind of like right in my hand. So, I mean, <laughs> I'm just mad at the score. I'm, I'm going to get a lot, of, a lot of crap about that from the defense <laughs> scoring. But that's a great play. I'm just proud of myself, proud of how I played today. All right, so he didn't score on that one. They took him down at the three-yard line. And then um, just right on the next drive, they were, or right on the next play, they were able to score. So, um, and it was Darwin Thompson, I believe. Darwin Thompson is the one that we're going to talk about next, but I still want you to hear Chase talking about this interception. Um, So funny because I always wonder, um, I I like to get kind of in their heads, right? What's happening in the moment when big plays happen. (laughs) And sometimes we ask them those questions in press conferences. We're like, take us through it. And we get like, uh, I, I saw the ball. I went for it. You know, like, but this one, this one was a little different. So this is Chase talking about um, what it was like to see John Trell in the totally wrong spot. I saw, I saw the guy that he was supposed to be covering run out to the flat, and then him kind of in no man's land, which was kind of, which was kind of uh, shocking. But then he jumped up and made an incredible play and picked it. <laughs> yeah. Um, Wish he would have scored, and we give him a hard time for not for getting tackled by a quarterback. But <laughs> great play, for sure. Yeah, so um, it's interesting, though. They kind of had a different take on that because Chase is like he jumped up and made an incredible play, um, and John Charles like he threw it right into my hands. But if you watch <laughs> it back, John Charles was stretching really, really tall to get that ball. Um, and then another thing that I loved it was the third play of the game. Darwin Thompson with a 56-yard run. Um, he had 109 total rushing yards in the game, and it was crazy to watch it and just see that, you know, he got them all beat. There, were, there was something about the, I don't know, maybe it was the defense. He just read it perfectly, or they just really messed up. I don't know what it was, but it Both. was beautiful. Yeah. Both. I mean, if you look at the replay on, on here, Wyoming has two defenders on the edge, three and I believe it was 61. They're, they're, I mean, they're right there. One is to take Love if he keeps the pitch. The other one is to go in. And Love, or not the pitch, uh, the handoff, Love hands the ball off, and you, you can see that Wyoming collapses in, and then Darwin has just this terrific vision to bounce to the outside, and he's gone. Mm-hmm. So and it's quick, I, so quick to so move quick. that fast. Yeah. So I mean, this is a touchdown run where it's really about the vision of the running back, seeing that the outside that the defense has collapsed, collapsed in, and Darwin bounces out and he's gone. Mm-hmm. It was just absolutely gorgeous run, like you said. Yeah, and no one. I mean, he had someone maybe right there with number nine or number three. Is that number three right there? It doesn't matter either way. So close, so incredible to watch him just do so well. Um, I want I want you to hear what Darwin had to say about this. Also because I think he's just a great guy. So this is Darwin talking about um, his 56-yard run and also what it was like to play in Wyoming and um, comparing that to kind of other venues they've been at. This. By the first run I broke, I was tired. I was like, man, <laughs> my hamstrings is cooking right now. But I mean, we played, we played against Michigan State and almost beat them. So I feel like that was the hardest game we'll play all year as far as the atmosphere. But Laramie, you know, they just had a sound football team that came ready to play. I love that he said his hamstrings were cooking. It was, it was quick there at the beginning of that sound bite. But um, interesting to hear him compare kind of Wyoming and Michigan State. Jaden and I were talking a little bit about what it was like to be in that stadium, right? And um, I think the maturity to be able to play in places like this. And I know at the end of the day, it's all about the football that comes from the place, but um, you can't say that home home field advantage isn't a thing, especially in college football. So um, interesting that he compared that, he said. But, I mean, Darwin was very, very confident in his team's ability to play there um, and in his defense. Um, 
And then there's, yeah, so this is what I want to hear next from Darwin. He talks about his defense. And, um, I mean, we've raved about it on this show quite a bit, about the zagging defense and what they're bringing. Um, I like hearing from the players what they have to say about it. So this is Darwin Thompson talking about his defense and um, specifically Savon Scarver. And if I can just mention this right before we play it, who had a 99-yard kickoff return, which was also one of the most beautiful plays of the game. Everybody's been talking about our offense all year, all year long, scoring 50 points. Little do they know, we've been at the best defense in the conference, top in the nation. I mean, we practice against them every day. They make us better. Uh, special team, Savon Scarver, he's used to that. He just got a couple of slips up early in the season. He had to build his confidence back. And this was a game to do it. But we definitely, we've been at the best defense. I've said that since day one. We practice against them every day, and they make us better. So we hear a lot about this offense, especially with um, the Aggies up until this Wyoming game averaging over 50 points a game, right? Um, but this defense, I like hearing that from Darwin, that you know it's the fact that they practice against this defense every day, that that's why they're able to do that. Also, can we talk a little bit about how awesome this is that um, when the offense is having not their best game, the defense really did step up and special teams stepped up and had this game for them. I think um, being able to have a well-rounded team in all three aspects of the game, that's what's brought us kind of to the next level. Whereas before, you know, there were games when, um, I mean, I remember specifically two years ago when one game our defense would come out and be really awesome and then the next game our offense would, but whenever one was doing really well, the other one struggled way too much. Or you know, there wasn't really one of them doing really well. There was just one that was really struggling. So it was easy to pinpoint them and separate them in that way. Um, but this year, it seems like it's quite the opposite where, you know, there's a specific one that you're just really impressed with each game. I mean, we started the season with um, Dominique Eberle's, you know, record-setting field goal game. So it just makes sense that now we've had all these other ones since where offense is shot been able to shine and then defense has as well well i asked uh, starwin after the game i said i think this is that that was part of the answer which uh which this question sparked i said you know coach wells has been saying all week that this wyoming defensive line is the best one you're going to face this season uh you know that includes michigan state that includes a byu defensive line that really pretty much shut down wisconsin and he, he says, well, you know, with all due respect to Coach Wells, he's wrong because we face our defensive line in practice every day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was one of my favorite things he said, too. Um, don't know why that one has to be through the cut with the audio <laughs> clips. Sorry about that. But you're right. He he did say that. He's like, um, we face the best defense in the conference every day exactly. at practice. And um, that, I mean, yeah, this is cheesy, but knowing that, he really believes that, and you could hear it, and he believes that. That's comforting as a Utah State fan, knowing that they have that much confidence in their defensive counterparts, I guess. Do you guys think this defense is elite? Seriously, throwing this out here. Do you think this is an elite defense, or is there still another level to go for this Utah State defense? Uh, I'm going to say not yet. Okay. I think, that they're, I think that they're very good. I think they're a top three defense uh-huh. In in the conference, I don't think they're quite elite yet, and that's uh, you know not to not to single out any player or position group, but but the secondary is going to need to improve a little bit before uh-huh. before we can call them elite. To me, it looks like they have all the all the attributes aspects. I don't know what like the characteristics yeah, of yeah. an elite defense, but we haven't really seen it put into um, like they haven't been showing that yet. Mm-hmm. There's different things that I see that I really like. Um, quickness and things like that. And Like I have said a zillion times already, the maturity of like kind of being able to control the pace of the game, right? Yeah. But I don't think we've seen them all those aspects together at once to, that would make them. Because I, I look at defenses and I go, okay, you have your good defenses, I think you have great defenses, I don't think you have elite yeah. defense. Mm-hmm. I think this uh, I think this Utah State defense is huttering around the great defense. I'm, I'm in the good to great range right now. That, that's where I'm at with this team. I think individually, they have some individuals who are elite. Tipa, mm-hmm. elite. elite. Okay. David Woodward. David Woodward, elite. Chris Unga, okay. I would say elite. Devon Anderson, 
He's right up there. Right up there. I really like Devon Anderson a lot. So you're right. This defense has some elements of it that of an elite defense, like the 2012. And if you want to talk comparisons about 2012 and and this team now, that 2012 defense was elite. Okay. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're talking seven, eight, nine NFL guys on that defense, and all of them were just studs. So this defense isn't quite there yet, but what we're seeing is a defense that is good and good enough to be any team on our schedule. No and, and that's And that's enough right now. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I think that idea of, you know, enough right now is kind of what we've been relying on. Um, Jaden and I, a few shows ago, I think we talked about how brilliant the scheduling was, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think knowing that and that it's scheduled in our favor gives us confidence to look forward to the end of the season. Yeah. Um, I think what excites me too, though, is I don't think this team's peaked. No, a- I'm, at I'm all. One hundred percent with you. A- and the fact that this team can still get better, and I think this is what the coaching staff is preaching: you want to learn lessons in in close wins. Okay, so if this team takes the lessons from Wyoming, now's the time. Uh, Hawaii and, and so on. We need to start to see this team peaking before we get into mm. Boise and before we get into the conference championship type of games, okay? And I, I like the fact that this team has not peaked yet because there's still another level that they can go to defensively and, yes, offensively as well. And that and that should be exciting to us as Aggie fans as well. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Um, I think that's interesting to talk about this, the idea of peaking rather than plateauing, right? Because the, plateau, that, the difference between those things could be um, the difference between, you know, just just another year. Look, and I, football, if you right? think that this team peaked at Michigan State and Tennessee Tech and, like, that was as good as it's going to get, <laughs> you're a fool, okay? Like, there is a whole other level that this team can go to, and, and we see it. And part of that getting to the elite level is going through the rough games like Wyoming, going against a New Mexico team coming up that, frankly, got embarrassed their last time out mm-hmm. against Fresno State. So how are you going to handle a team that's hungry to prove that they're not a joke and they're still fighting for bill eligibility themselves? You yep. know, they need to win against Utah State yep. to get closer to bill eligibility for them. Well, and I know that it's just kind of one of those, I don't want to say a cliche, but, you know, something that, that you would expect a, a radio broadcaster to say about a team. But that loss, well, of course, Aggie fans are going to be a little bit down. Or that that one. The loss, that win against Wyoming. Well, Aggie fans are going to be a little bit down see, on it. That, it feels, it feels silly to say that, that they should be down on a win or that they will be. That was the best thing that could have absolutely happened to this team because they finally saw some adversity. You know, if you win, uh, honestly, you know, I would, I would almost be worried if you went and steamrolled every team 30, 40 points and then you finally play a, a good team like Boise. Because let's be honest, Wyoming, is they're decent, but they're not anywhere in the same world as Boise. Or is or is San Diego State or is Fresno State, and so the fact that they had to overcome some adversity and they still figured out how to win that game, that's going to put a lot on tape and and give them, I think, a lot more of an edge going into those tough games. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm glad that you said that. We want to talk about Coach Wells talking about two years ago, um, and how that's different from now. And he talks about that same thing with adversity and how different that is. Um, I mean, Jaden, you said it perfectly. There's no more I can add to that where this is exactly what they could have asked for or what any Aggie fan should have asked for in this moment for a win through adversity um, at this point in their schedule for sure. So here's Coach Wells talking about the same thing. That's a finish win. That's a finish. That's what we were talking about all training camp is finish. Find a way to win, and that's a one-score game. And, you know, as you know, two years ago we couldn't win a one-score game, you know, and um, so that feels good. Um, but now it's, you know, when you climb each and every week an opponent in this league, especially on the road, it's going to be a tremendous challenge. And um, I think uh, we saw a lot of resiliency by our guys today and, and really a refusal to give up. All right. So knowing that um, they've come this far from where they were two years ago and knowing that also that's, I mean, Jeff, you were mentioning that this is this team is the team it is because of last year and the year before. Right. Um, but knowing that they've somehow figured out, you know, the coaching changes they're making or the talks they're having at practice or their practices, 
and their season that's changing that, right? I think one of the worst things as a fan is when you see your team doesn't change from game to ma- game, yeah. right? Like it's that's so disappointing and discouraging when you just see the same problems happening over and over again. I don't think we've seen any of those things. I mean, there's – Jaden's heard me talk about this so many times where um, – I was just so disappointed in the third quarter Aggies for the first for the last two or three years. But now we get um, this team that is learning, and they don't have the same type of games every time. They're getting better and um, hopefully headed toward that peak that we were talking about. Um, I want to hear your takes on New Mexico and um, what we think we're expecting to see um, on Saturday. What do you think is going to be the toughest part for the Aggies in facing this team? Well, first off, Coach Wells was talking about two years ago, and two years ago against New Mexico, the last time that New Mexico was in Logan, I feel like it's only fitting to talk about because that was maybe, maybe the gutter of my Aggie fandom. You angry, <laughs> you know, Jaden? I've be, been, be angry. I've been I've been it's watching okay. Aggie sports since you know <laughs> I, I grew up at, at Maverick Stadium, and those teams. We were kind of talking about this before. Those teams lost games because they were a worse team than the team they were playing. (laughs) They were really bad. In 2014, I'm sorry, in 2016, when New Mexico came to Logan, Utah State was a better team in almost every aspect, and and by all means should have won that game, and it was just a stupid, stupid game. And I think think we all probably recall the... uh, you know, the runoff field goal at the last second when they should have spiked it and Coach Wells sent out the team to go kick a field goal and then they just ran out of time as it expired. After a really awful pass interference call, they called off a Tarver touchdown. After the Yankees let New Mexico drive down the field on them. It was it was a very frustrating game, but uh, I, don't, I don't think it's going to be the same case. I, I feel pain right Saturday. now. Like You're telling me... You're recapping the story, and I'm like, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm just getting that icky, icky feeling. You're right. I I think the biggest challenge against a New Mexico team is I actually think the biggest challenge is themselves. What I mean by that, and that may sound cliche to some people, if Utah State plays its best football, they win going away this Saturday, okay? New Mexico cannot compete with them. However, if we play down to New Mexico's level, allow them to get some confidence, get a touchdown or two early in the game, I think we're going to struggle. However, if this Utah State team comes out, does what it does, and just plays its brand of football, this game is no problem for me. And and that's okay, because you should beat teams like New Mexico. You should beat them like a drum, and you should beat them handily. And and I think that will be the case on Saturday, because I think, if anything else, the Wyoming game caught the attention of this Utah State football team. Mm -hmm. They're going to come out focused. Woke them up a little bit. It actually would have been better for New Mexico if Utah State would have blown Wyoming (laughs) out. Like, I really believe that. Because I think if you have six victories in a row that are fairly comfortable, you know, you're going to get a little complacent in your game prep, in your intensity. But now this Utah State team, I think, is refocused, re-energized, and realized... That they can't let teams hang around. They got to finish, finish them. Mortal Kombat style. Well, New Mexico has a you know they have an offense that's capable of, of putting up some points, and uh, I mean they've they're, they've averaged about 411 yards per game. That's uh, that's you know about average. That's that's where you'd want to be about average uh, for for a college football offense, especially. Mountain I, West I know offense. everyone you know is concerned about the New Mexico and rush. New Mexico rush game. Can we just dispel the rumor that New Mexico is this terrific Russian They're team? They're not. Okay. No. And they've but, actually turned a lot more to the past this season yeah, than in past years. I mean, years. right now, New Mexico is 55th in the country in rushing with 323 attempts for, well, let's see. Hold on. I had it pulled up. Yeah. Uh, 1,339 yards. Mm-hmm. Utah State is 57th with only 250 attempts rushing. Yeah. I mean, that's only... New Mexico's rushed the ball 83 more times and only has like eight more yards on the season than Utah State does. Well, so I mean they, they they've got a, they've got an offense that can score. They've also put up 33 points a game. That's you know 37th in the nation. That's a pretty solid offense. They're, they're not they're not a bad offense. Haven't played many good defenses unless you include Liberty and New Mexico State, which you don't. Which you don't. Which you don't. <laughs> but uh, you know on the same on the same uh, on the same hand. Their their pass defense has been atrocious this season. New Mexico, uh, one of the one of the worst pass defensing pa- passing defense teams in in the nation, uh, just really struggled. And Utah State, you know, in a game where the passing offense against Wyoming was sort of the thing that, that held them back a little bit. And, and I mean, it's not 
hard to see that the passing numbers were down in that game. A game against New Mexico should be exactly what the doctor ordered. This is the game I expect Ronquavian Tarver to have like close to 200 yards receiving. He should. Yeah. Because New Mexico is terrible, and they're terrible against the number one receivers. Almost every team they've played, the number one receiver for that team has had at least 150 yards well, receiving. I was, I, I was stalling for a minute as I looked up stats, but, um, I mean, they rank dead last in the Mountain West in, pa- in passing yards allowed. When it comes 272 to okay. passing yards per game. That's not very good. 12th, 12th, dead last in the Mountain West, 114th in the nation. So Jordan Love should have a field day, and if, if he yeah. wants to return to form, this, this is the time Here, to do here's it. Here's the thing. <laughs> I was going to say, just, like you said, just what the doctor ordered. If Tarver doesn't have close to 200 yards receiving, it's only because there's nine other guys on the Utah State yeah. team that has close to 80 to 100 yards receiving. Like, the ball will be spread around. Exactly. Yeah. I think for Jordan Love, this is a really good um, chance for him to kind of get back on his game, shine a little bit. It's perfect that it's at home, right? It's kind mm. of – I don't – I don't doubt Utah fans enough to say they've stopped trusting him, right? But that they want to see different than they saw from last game, right? No, so one I think, bad game, I mean. Yeah. Exactly. And hopefully they're not irrational enough to be like, ah, oh, Jordan, blah, 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 blah. He's not doing well enough. But this is the perfect chance for him to just be like, no, I still got it. I'm it, still here. If you don't think Jordan Love is a good, great, if potentially elite quarterback, I can't take you seriously as a sports fan, mm-hmm. and please yeah. unfollow me on Twitter. Please. I can't. <laughs> I, I can't. I can't interact Turn with you off. if you think that. Mm-hmm. For sure, though, I think everything he's done. I, yeah, I'm go sorry. Ahead. I'm You're sorry. I've, I've just got a one. I've just got one. One. One up that. If you think that Utah State should consider benching Dominic Eberly, trust me, this happened. Is that Twitter. a thing? Unfollow me. Never speak to me again. Did someone really say that? Turn this show off. And, and probably just quit sports. Yeah. <laughs> That's Go real. I, that, I, I didn't mean I, to cut I'm you off, but that, that, no, I, I could you. not believe that happened. We need to address this. But somebody literally was coming at me asking how good Utah State's backup kicker is because he missed a 54-yarder against New Mexico. You're a moron. I mean, against Wyoming. Yeah, but like, we can... You're an idiot. We can say with complete confidence <laughs> oh that you have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. so. I, I'm sorry for that person in the life they live, but that's just wrong. You're wrong, buddy. Oh, I'll show you after the show. Oh, wow. Mistaken. Oh, wrong. Wow. <laughs> Absurd. How many words can be used to describe the how ludicrous that is? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Thank you for bringing that up. No, Dominic Everly has done, I mean, he has been phenomenal. Yeah. I, I, get, I get he missed two, two last week when there was crazy wind, and he missed a 54-yarder against Wyoming and then later hit a 45-yarder. Let's, yeah. Let's, let's cool the Jets a little bit. Yeah. See, so that's what I mean, right? <laughs> Because sometimes they're irrational enough to be like, ah, we'll get her out of there. And, then, and he, then when I said that, when I essentially said that back, he, uh, this person DM'd me a tweet from Dominic Eberly, which, which was you know, him saying, you know, I know I haven't been up to my standard or fan standard. I'm like, hey, what, what's that supposed to prove? It's, it proves that he's a really good kicker that yeah. is disappointed by the fact that he's missed three field goals all season. Three. <laughs> all season. So. In seven games. And that's uh, that wasn't even worth addressing. That was mm-hmm. sorry. That was <laughs> so ludicrous that uh-huh. almost might not be worth talking about. Yeah, but thank you for bringing it up because that just goes with my point, right? <laughs> um, this is a great game for Relaxing Jordan Love and Dominic Care. Yep. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> maybe we should start a new po- podcast. Relax, Relax Aggie fans. fans. <laughs> All right, well, I call dips. <laughs> that sounds good. <laughs> that's fine. Well, the three of us. Here we go. Stay tuned for that. Um, I want to just close with a quote from Coach Wells about bowl eligibility because I know everybody's talking about it but um, I thought it was interesting that this team's still at least talking about how focused they are on things other than bowl eligibility because they're still kind of in the middle of the season so here's coach Wells I didn't know we were bowl eligible till I walked out of the locker room and that's a true statement until somebody said it to me we hadn't even talked about it all week um, that's a tremendous step um, I don't think becoming bowl eligible is the goal for this team we hadn't even talked about it, okay? Big picture. How many years? Seven out of eight? Okay, it's the best stretch in Utah State football history. I'm very, very proud of that. You know, as an alumni and the head coach, that's just a small part of I recognize where we're at. That's huge when you look at 120 years of football at Utah State. Yeah, that's a really, really big deal. And um, these guys are in the, the best era right now of Utah State football, and I'm proud to be a small part of it. But for this team, this isn't the final step. 
promise you that. All right, and that's Coach Love and sorry, Coach Wells. Maybe someday Coach uh, Love a few will be there. And maybe a few years down the road. Sorry, Coach Wells. And if you've listened to our show before, you know how big of a fan I am of Coach Wells. Um, but we're all really excited about bowl eligibility. Um, Jeff, thanks again for coming in. Absolutely. It's been great to have you. And Jaden, as always, you make the world go round and the show you're, go you're on. You're too kind. The, the final thing I want to add. Yes, please. Is Coach Wells said the, the you know, their goal started as get bowl eligible. And that was, that was goal number one. Check. Done. The next goal was be undefeated at home. I know that they've still got San Jose State after this, but if they win on Saturday, they're undefeated undefeated at home. (laughs) So I'm looking forward to it. Me too. Um, Thank you for tuning in. This has been the Sports Page Out Loud on Aggie Radio at 92.3 FM, KBLU, LP, Logan, Utah.